Hello and welcome to this latest CN podcast. I'm Anthony Myers. With the EU regulations on deforestation set to come into force in 2024, John Trask, CEO of Dimitra, is expertly placed to discuss the opaque, complex supply chain of the chocolate market, the impact of the upcoming deforestation policy, and how Dimitra's technology is allowing chocolate producers and farmers to adhere to the EU's requirements. Take a listen. Yeah, Dimitra is a corporation we've had going for a few years now. We're really focused on applying technology to help smallholder farmers around the world. Uh, we've built five app- applications, and those individual applications um, serve different areas of the agriculture industry. So we start with agronomy, work on track and trace so we can see the provenance of our, our goods and uh, make sure that we're complying with different regulations. And then we we work into financing activities. Um, and then, you know, finally, we, we have some uh, regulatory approval stuff around deforestation and other regulations related to exporting goods. So it's a, a comprehensive platform. Uh, we use a lot of technology, um, artificial intelligence, satellite sensors, and, uh, and blockchain. Okay, thank you. And we, we are here um, today primarily to talk about Dimitra's, um, no, I don't know whether it's a new platform, but you have a, defo- a blockchain, a deforestation platform that uses black blockchain chain technology and it's of interest to to me to listeners and to the cocoa sector in general because of the obviously there's a lot of a lot of talk a lot of discussion a lot of uh, newspaper articles on the eu deforestation regulations they've actually come in already and there's a transition period um taking place now but it really kicks in in december the uh, december 24th so they've got 12 companies got 12 months haven't they to make sure their cocoa is um compliant with the new regulations and so how can your your blockchain tech help the cocoa sector yeah so there's a couple things that happen within our platform in order to help the cocoa sector and and the first is identifying the source for the cocoa what farm is it coming off of um producing evidence that the source location is truly the location um, where the the cocoa is growing and and then each farmer takes our application and we have maybe more than a dozen cooperatives now around the world that are using our our application and they create a geofence around their farm so they they go on um, identify the boundaries of their farm and they start using the application every time they pick cocoa. Um, they can report and um, take it to their local collection point or buying station um, where we identify the price that they're getting for the cocoa, um, how much there is, and, and certain quality characteristics. When okay. we take all of that information, we can um, then take that geofence and analyze the trees and understand what trees existed in 2020, which is the cutoff for deforestation, and what trees exist today 
and identify any differences between those. So if a tree was cut down, if a new tree grew in, and then there's regulations in the EU around canopy cover and density of the forest. So we measure those things. And then we have to do a predictive algorithm that says, if a tree is under five meters today, it may not be involved in the deforestation regulations, but if it had the potential to be more than five meters, um, we have to consider it a full-grown tree. And, and so we've, we've built a lot of that technology over the past few years to help farmers and, and then adapted our satellite system in order to pick up all of the rules that EUDR is, is putting on a farmer. And we take all of that and create a, a blockchain certificate telling the farmer that they have not been involved in deforestation and they can share that with any of their clients, the chocolate makers or, or whoever they're selling to, the buyers. My next question is, it seems unfair to focus a lot on West Africa, particularly Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana. Um, deforestation happens, as, as you know, as we all know, in many, many regions. You know, South America has its issues with, with deforestation, of course, the Amazon, the Atlantic forest. Um, but for our purposes, really, uh, the cocoa sector, it seems to be that uh, Ivory Coast, Ghana is where a lot of these the, the problems are, and there's the, you know the, there's lots of in, there's lots of statistics about it. There's but you know we can look at um, the latest stats that say 37 percent of, um, of 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 the of Cote d'Ivoire's um, cocoa growing areas. You know is um, has been in deforestation since 2000. They are protected areas. It's 37, 37% of protected areas has, has been seen to be, you know, deforested and Ghana around about 13%. So it's, it's really Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana that, and they're going to struggle the most, uh, I think, those countries and the, the cocoa growing, uh, the cocoa suppliers that, that, that uh, source their cocoa from there. So my question is, who, the emphasis should be on whom for, for, for this to make make sure the cocoa is is compliant with the EU regulations. Should it be the origin countries, the uh, regulatory bodies of Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, or should it be the uh, the big uh, cocoa agri agri business cocoa suppliers? I won't name any names, but we all know kind of who they mm. are, and the big chocolate companies as well. Mm. So, who, how, who would you say is you know should take responsibility? Well, I think everybody has to work together in the end. I don't know that we'll be successful if any one party tries to take it on their own without the support yeah. of the others. I think regulation from a, a national level is very difficult um, from an enforcement perspective if the people with the money are not driving good behaviors. So... The buyers, the, the big chocolate makers, they need to drive good behavior and, and they need to, in their procurement activities, focus on education and prioritization of deforestation. And and if you what we find in our, in our projects, if you tie the money to um, the actual deforestation process, uh, you're, you can be quite successful. 
in minimizing deforestation. Okay. Um, obviously, we were talking about uh, West Africa, but in in your experience with you, with your company and with your technology, is, is that is that the hot spot in general? I know for cocoa it may well be, but with other commodities, palm oil, coconut, coffee, do you see similar similar patterns of deforestation in you know in other parts of the world? With other commodities, how how um, how does cocoa compare? Would you say to the uh, its sustainability record with with the other commodities? So we really focus on the the seven regulated commodities. So we're looking at coffee and palm oil and, and other things like that. Um, they all have challenges because the rules were different previously, and, and there's there's a big education piece that everybody struggles with you know that if i go and ask a farmer on the side of a mountain in indonesia if he understands that he can't go cut down those trees he really doesn't it's very prevalent the knowledge in european and and north america that we're trying to um, reduce deforestation and there's certain reasons we want to do that the education level on on the average farmer um, it is different. They they don't understand the regulations. There hasn't been enough um, education, and and by and large, a, a lot of the farmers are not active on social media. They go and work on their farm twelve yeah. hours a day, and and uh, don't come come home at night and read articles about uh, deforestation on on Facebook or whatever their tool is. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And I've been to both Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana and to a certain extent, South uh, South America. Um, So, yeah, how, I know you may have touched on this before, but I see see your platform as a benefit to to the industry how can it be a benefit to the smallholder farmers? Are you going, because I've been to these farms as well, and it's very difficult to, to in Cote d'Ivoire or Ghana especially, to find, you know, for them to know where their piece of land ends, they are smallholders, and where the next uh, plot lies or whether it's in a, a protected area. So um, are, you ba- are you basically using the technology or you have you got boots on the ground as well there to advise the, the farmers on best practice so we have both depending on the project um we tend to work we don't sell to individual farmers we sell to cooperative uh-huh. and governments and ngos yeah and and so if you look at a typical project we've got one just started this week we're, we're training a group in peru and colombia um so within that group they have about two thousand farms and uh, there's an ngo involved we trained a group of 25 trainers who are going out to these 2000 farms over the next few months and they're registering the farm on the platform right so then we take that information and if they don't know the actual boundary because they're working in a yeah. in a forest um, we can just drop a pin and and create uh, a radius, a circle around right. what we think the farm looks like. Yes. Um, and then start our analysis from that. So we analyze um, from an agronomy perspective what they're doing, um, try to understand the performance and how we can help the performance. There's certain nutrients that 
if you measure and manage those nutrients within the <clears throat> the farm itself, they're going to get better productivity out of their farm. So that's one benefit. The second piece is if you do certain things from a quality perspective, you're going to get more dollars for your your product. Um, so there's there's a lot of price disparity, yes. and and we have the ability to measure price and make recommendations on price. So if a farmer is is harvesting their cocoa and they um, they separate the seed and and they dry that, if you dry it to a per- certain percentage, you're creating more value. If you're growing different varieties, you're cro- you're creating more value for the farmer. So we try to help them with that. And then if they're in fact coming from a farm that has not been involved in deforestation, as we approach the date in 2024, their product is is going to become a little bit more valuable because there will be a, a lack of deforestation free product on the market. So that will create a new disparity between um farmers who deforest and, and those who don't yes um, the other piece is we have a, a marketplace and we can look at helping farmers find alternative um places to sell their their cacao and and then as we do that you know the that assistance helps get them in another price this project that we're working on one of the objectives is to um, earn an additional ten percent, right, for the, for the farm. And and so measuring that at the farm when they bring it to a buying station uh, is important. The other thing is to uh, manage some of the disparity between uh, gender. So there there are disparity issues from a price. Uh, and availability perspective for women farmers versus men farmers. Yes, of course. Yes, we know all about that. And, and your technology will, uh, will 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 enable that um, that improvement in 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 those areas. And that leads me on to my next question. Um, we're talking about blockchain. We're talking about your deforestation plat uh, your platform for deforestation. But uh, three or four years ago, when I first took on this role, blockchain was seen as almost like the uh, the solution to everything. And, and I'm surprised uh, it hasn't really um, taken taken off. I don't know why. I know what I'm what I'm trying to say is that we are we are looking at your company with deforestation. But you know, there's if if the cocoa is fully traceable in a, in a blockchain uh, kind of tech network, then the consumer should be able to see, you know, on a bar of chocolate, shouldn't they, you know, in, in Europe, say, you know, be able to scan the code and see exactly where that, uh, where that chocolate comes from. Is that, is that unrealistic or is, you know, and, the, and also there's no uh, child labor, there's no, you know, other issues of sustainability in there. The, the consumer can be confident that that, cocoa that bar of chocolate has come from a, a fully sustainable source is that what blockchain should do can do do you think 
So it can do that. It can be involved in that process. Yeah. Should it do that? Um, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think as we go into these cooperatives, we find that <clears throat> much of the traceability process is still manual. It's, you know, yeah. they're still running with notebooks versus um, versus a, a phone or a computer. Yeah. And, you know, we've recently done a project with 3,000 farms in, in Indonesia and maybe only 30% of the farms were really tech savvy enough to um, do all of the data entry. And so you've got to start small. You've got to start with the centralized points where they're collecting the cocoa. And then you've got to get people onto mobile phones in order to do their reporting. Um, we did a partnership with a university in in Sumatra there and the last university, and they gave us students, and, and those students went to the field for a month and taught farmers how to use the phone, how to enter the data, and and how to get value out of the system. And and so to be successful with a track and trace project, it, it's very hard to do that you know, from a centralized point in, in London or wherever, um, you really have to be committed to having boots on the ground and come up with strategies in order to, to implement that. Now, if I take that blockchain component, you look at a complex supply chain where you have, you know, thousands and thousands of farms feeding hundreds of buying locations or gathering points. You've got drying sometimes happening at the farm or or at a mill and and so you get through that fermentation and drying process and you know the yield from a, a tree is quite small it could be a, a kilo per year of of chocolate or of cocoa and and so lot management becomes a big component that has to feed the blockchain so you're collecting large amounts from a growing region. Today, the, the farms that we're working with, um, they have the ability now to see that, you know, that kilo of chocolate came from one of these 500 farms, depending on, on how it's processed. I, I would guess that, you know, in, in more than a dozen projects in, in this area, um, none of them a year ago had that ability. So then you have your chocolate makers who are now consolidating at different points and at different scales. They have to determine how they want to use that information and how they want to share that with the general consumer. Yes. So, so they have to have a desire to show that and, and some do. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the really big players, they're picking up, you know, a, a kilo of, of cacao from a tree, a farmer may have 200 trees, they have 200 kilos, and then they're consolidating it across a, a cooperative that's delivering thousands or tens of thousands of kilos. And, and each time you step up, you step up in volume until you produce that chocolate bar. And, and 
there's only so much space on the package of a chocolate bar. So they have to figure out how they do that. I did a project a couple of years ago with a, a company that, that did granola products and, and they wanted to show blueberries um, and the origin of blueberries and that that met certain um, organic standards and things like that. Um, they went and put a QR code on and created videos so that everybody could pick up their cereal, scan it and know that this box of cereal potentially came from a farm in this region. Um, I think there's a lot of demand for that and people will pay a, a premium and, and many, you know, will want to make sure that their, their chocolate is ethically sourced. So, you know, I think we'll see more and more of that over the years. I think the data that we need to get at will become more and more available as EUDR puts pressure on these importing organizations. Absolutely. And I, I think a final, final question. We, uh, we are obviously um, focusing, focusing on that deadline of December the 2024 for the uh, for the cocoa sector to become fully compliant with the EU um, deforestation regulations. But I, I just wanted to ask you, uh, in your your opinion, how how far off is the uh, the cocoa sector in general of becoming this fully tech kind of um, industry, where whereas every farmer has a has a phone, every farmer has been shown how to use it, every farmer can input you know how much cocoa he has he or she has grown and where it's come from um as, as you say as you know i know it's it's still very kind of rudimentary and very basic um and you know the farmers have got other issues they're trying to feed their kids they try to you know they're trying to make a living and you know obviously they can't afford uh, the the tech so how how far off do you think the tech the uh, the cocoa sector is becoming this fully fully digital kind of industry on that side for this for the for the transparency traceability and do, do you think the big companies should step in i know they invest quite a lot in sustainability and um but do you think they should do more is it down to the governments who who should who should the pro farmer is the, is a pro farmer and he or she should not really or should they have to, if they want to grow cocoa, is this this how it's going to be? And they have to find the money somewhere, like they have to find money for fertilizers, I guess. So that was a bit uh, long, convoluted, but you get my gist there. I do. I think we're a long ways off from yeah. um, getting there as an industry. And I think that, you know, we've known about the EUDR regulations for for at least a year now, um, yeah. you know, we knew many years ago that they were being developed, but, but yeah. uh, the government put out more information earlier this year, um, and our knowledge of that continues to improve. I believe that when I look at an industry, there, uh, many of the organizations can be complacent because the deadline is still a year away. Um, but the pickup in demand for us as a software company is going through the roof. Um, anybody who has uh, Cocoa contracts for 2024, um, those contracts have been in place for 
for a, the better part of a year yes. and everybody's signing 2025 contracts now. So those 2025 contracts need to be a hundred percent compliant. Absolutely. And, and so there's a bit of urgency coming to some of these organizations in order to get the processes in place. And, and you can't put these processes in place overnight. It's not like you're buying a piece of software and you're, you're sending a link to a farmer. Um, there is an education component and there's a restructuring of the supply chain from a reporting perspective. So, you know, I would say that most organizations, if, if they haven't made a decision on how they're going to do this now, you know, may not be ready for December of next year. That's it. Uh, and they, yeah, and their cocoa will either uh, not be allowed into the EU, and even the cocoa that's in 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 the, the transition period in the warehouses will have to be destroyed or you know sent back. Um, well, we just did a story on it uh, earlier this week. So it's a huge thing, isn't it? It's um, it, it's 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 crucial that, and it's crucial for the for the farmers as well that they can still sell their beans to the EU, which is the biggest market in 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 the world for 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 chocolate so and uh, this is where your company and companies like yours can really help make a difference isn't it it is yeah the the brunt of the burden right now tends to be on the farmer but yeah the really proactive chocolate manufacturers um they have programs that they're they're setting up right now yeah i think the the middle of the supply chain we need to figure out that component and and we've got we've got the solution for that we've got a number of organizations on that solution now and and we're continuing to expand our capabilities to serve this industry and and you know chocolate's pretty important to me i love my chocolate <laughs> yeah okay. so i think uh, uh, you know i think a lot of the community needs to to get on board and, and care about this. And, and I know they, they are, I, I know the EU is doing great work um, in taking the first step in the world, you know, 150 nations signed an agreement to be deforestation free by 2030, but the EU and, and 28 nations are, are really taking the lead. So there is this leadership role that's happening right now. And it's complex. The supply chains are going across many borders <clears throat> and have loads of complexity that have to be dealt with. And and so it, it'll take a number of years, even in the EU, to uh, work out all of the regulations so that they can be easily uh, followed and, and audited. And, you know, there is a com continuous improvement aspect to this um so you yeah. know i applaud the eu and in, in, in what they're doing um everybody reads the articles about some of the challenges it has and it, and it will place a little burden on a on the farmer and the entire supply chain and and we've yeah. just got to work through that over the next couple of years absolutely 